0: You're listening to a sermon from Lakeview Baptist Church. We would love to have you worship God with us this Sunday at 1045 in the morning and at six o'clock in the evening as we make, nurture, and equip disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. On June 21st at Fisherville Baptist Church near Louisville, Kentucky, Pastor Brian Payne preached his last sermon before he became our pastor. Um, As the Paynes know, it was on the armor of God. (laughs) and you sang and there were some tears it was a beautiful time, I did watch it but ironically I didn't pick this passage because of that, I'd already picked the passage and then I look back and I go oh my, he's already preached on this but thankfully I've preached on armor of God before but I'm skipping down to the spirit praying in the spirit and I want to take a whole lot of time on it and very little time on the armor of God because you've already heard sermons by that a number of times. If you're like me, the ones I've heard, by the time you get down there, there's not much said about praying in the Spirit. Maybe there is other places, but I just want to really dig in there and um, talk tonight about what it really means to pray in the Spirit. Let's look at your passage here in Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 17. Cliff's already read it, but let's read it again. And take the helmet... Ephesians 6, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying, and notice the different alls here praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that's Paul that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Pierce our hearts tonight, Lord, teach us something new. We know so much that will be said tonight is what has been said over centuries But I pray, O God, that we would remember, we'd remember it clearly and become prayer warriors for you, knowing full well our enemy desires to defeat us and bring us down. Lord, make this church, it already is a praying church, make us even more a praying church. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if we went back to the, the armor of God here and looked it up or looked at it, what I'd want to say is that uh, I believe that Paul was really would want to be saying too and reminding us of this, that the, put on or take on, take the, up the helmet of salvation, praying. Take up the breastplate of righteousness, praying. The sword of the Spirit, praying. The belt of truth, praying. The shield of faith or the shoes, a shield of faith, praying. And the shoes shod with the gospel of peace, praying, praying at all times. So Paul here is really trying to get our attention. He's trying to say, okay, look, prayer is kind of your Kevlar. Prayer is, uh, it's used, or really, and there's 155 verses in Ephesians. 31 of them are either Paul's prayers or talking about prayer. Prayer is like the mortar, the cement that pulls all the armor together, and it's our modern-day Kevlar. The word all, you've already heard me say this, the word all is used four times in verse 18 alone. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying connects with verse 14 on how to stand. Praying, putting on the armor, praying. We see our passage here has five aspects of this praying in the Spirit or all prayer to complete the full armor of God. So look at verse 18. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit. So the first point or the first aspect is Spirit-empowered prayer. I don't know about you, but I've I prayed before where it's just, um, just rote or not much prayer there. It's just kind of talking. I've even prayed when I was a, in, played softball on some pretty big teams. I remember we were fussing one time and I was just praying, teaching them. You know, They were not walking right. So, but this is praying in the Spirit. Some teach that praying in the Spirit is synonymous with praying in tongues. But as tongues is a gift that you see in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's not a fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians 5, not every Christian can speak in tongues, if whatever your view there is. But yet Paul instructs Christians Christians to pray in the Spirit. On all occasions here in Ephesians six eighteen, Therefore, we can know that praying in the Spirit is distinct from praying in tongues. So praying in the Spirit simply is relying on the Spirit when you're praying. Rely on the Spirit in your prayer. Romans eight twenty six tells us the sense that we do not know what we ought to pray for. So when you come to prayer, come in the sense that you really don't know what you're to pray for. Come in that sense and let the Spirit of God pray through you. It's a form of worship. So I really wondered, I looked at this and I thought, well maybe we could put in John chapter 4 verse 24, maybe we could turn it and say, it says God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Prayer is a form of worship, right? So maybe we could say God is spirit and those who pray to Him must pray in spirit and in truth. So prayer is a form of worship, right? So Spirit and truth. That's the proper balance, and that's where we have to be careful. We want the proper balance. God's Word and Spirit-enabled prayer. Here today, we're going to focus more on the in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, but I want to continue to remind us the balance is Spirit and truth. So Spirit-empowered prayer has three prerequisites, at least three that I could come up with. You must be spiritually alive, spiritually filled, and spiritually led most of you know i was in sporting goods sales before uh, the lord called me in ministry and i we were in minnesota this la boy lower alabama boy (laughs) was in minnesota trying to survive in the cold we had uh, there were ice rinks now i grew up in sports but hockey was nothing to me hockey i didn't know the rules i didn't know anything about it but i got out on the rink and started playing hockey i couldn't skate backwards but i could skate and I had a blast I finally got there and I got that stick and puck and I knocked it into the net and I pulled a hamstring and it was worth it (laughs) I was spiritually alive there was something going on now I knew what was going on in the hockey area now I like it a little bit now still not real big into it but when we're born again we become spiritually alive. We become, the word of God becomes, instead of, as Pastor Brian has said many times, it's not just ink on the paper anymore, it just comes alive. And for you that are in college, my freshman year in college at Auburn, I was in the Sigma Nu Attorney House basement, and God sh- God brought a person to me and shared the gospel with me, and I became spiritually alive. I began to learn what it was. I became born again, and I began to see that God was God. God was who he said he was and he loved me and cared for me and he wanted me to love his word and love others and be filled with his spirit, which is the second prerequisite, spiritually filled. We need to live this daily fullness and replenishing of God the Holy Spirit so that we may offer to him what is due to his name. The word of God, this verse has become very special to me over the years, verse 5. Verse eighteen of Ephesians five, go back one chapter five, eighteen, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. And as I begin to think of that verse, I think, okay, what is it talking about? What does drunk do to you? Drunk means what's in control, right you're not in control of yourself anymore, and it kind of it controls you, but this, in a bad way, and then the good way, the spirit of God fills you. Now he doesn't change necessarily change your personality. Filling of the Spirit, and my personality looks different than filling of the Spirit with someone that's more quiet and not talking all the time. Being filled with the Spirit and filled with God's word, Colossians 3, 16. Praying and able to be able to pray. And and what's so neat about it is when you do, when you do pray, you can't take any credit for it because you know that God is working through your soul to speak truth out uh, for others' sake. And you pray very unselfishly because the Spirit of God is not not selfish. He's not selfish at all. The reason that some of us have a problem with prayer is because we're not living spirit-filled lives. We're grieving the Spirit of God by either rebellion or by selfishness or disinterest or preoccupation. And sometimes even maybe it just could be ignorance. It was for me, I know, for many years, just ignorance. I didn't know. That I needed to be filled with God's spirit to really pray like God wants me to pray. And because it's different than how I had expected it, I didn't enter into prayer like I should. I didn't enter into it. I I wasn't spiritually filled. So what do you do? You confess your sin. You find, you ask the spirit of God. Say, Lord, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? Um, Show me. Show me what area. And then continue to give it to him. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Many have said that. And so be real careful. Don't give an inch to the enemy because he'll take it and he'll ruin you with it. He is a deceiver. The aspect of this verb here is be continually being filled. So Brother Al's preached on this. and I'm sure Pastor Brian's preached on this before. The Lord commands us to be filled and it's ongoing. So it's not like one-time thing. It's a command so you can take it to the bank. When he gives you a command, you can take it to the bank, the deposit is sure, and all you have to do is say, I know I got it. I know I'm filled because 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So what should you do? You get flat on your face before God and say, assist me. Assist me, as someone has written so beautifully in the hymn. Cleanse me from my sin, Lord. Put thy power within, Lord. Take me as I am, Lord. Make me all your own. Keep me day by day, Lord. Underneath your sway, Lord. Make my heart your palace and your royal throne. Assist me, my gracious master and my God assist me to proclaim to spread through all the earth abroad the glories of thy name so we must be spiritually alive born again spiritually filled with the spirit and then you'll be spiritually led it says walk galatians 5:16 says walk by the spirit and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh <clears throat> when you walk by god's spirit this is a hard one to say, and I may be getting in trouble for this. I hope not. <laughs> but you won't sin. If the Spirit of God is in control, you won't sin. Now, what happens? We do sin, right? We do sin. So we must confess our sin and ask Him to fill us with our sin. Don't get into a rut of a cycle of regret. Soon as you know, okay, Lord, I messed up, fill me with your Spirit. So finally... It also says in Romans 8:14, "For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. These are daughters of God, led by the Spirit." So finally, if we would be involved in praying in the spirit, we need to be spiritually led. We need to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the task, making most of it. It's a privilege, a whole privilege of prayer. I remember over the years when I was single. Most a lot of you single over here to my left, I know um, and I wasn't in ministry, so it wasn't that kind of thing necessarily, but on Sunday afternoon after church, I would go to the lakes in, um, in downtown Minneapolis and take a blanket or whatever and just spend time in the Word and just sit and just and, um, and just pray and, and talk to God and and read his word and just so and I think that built a foundation in me. But I, I still, it nourishes me over the years. I was in work, business for 10 years until the Lord called me in ministry. And so um, it's kind of out of the blue. But I know I, I pray. I know I was obedient to that. And so the Lord has done a lot of sweet things over our life and, and um, in our life. Because we gave, him, gave our hearts to Him fully. So if we're with the Holy Spirit, we're prompted by the Spirit. I don't know about you, but many times I'm just going along the path, and all of a sudden somebody comes in my, my mind, and I'm going, where did that come from, you know? That is the Spirit of God. Stop there. Pray for them. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. There, there There's a story, and I, I, lost, I had the illustration. I lost it, but it was like uh, as a godly man, he was a pastor, and he was out at night, and he was walking, and he was walking, and he just just pr- walking and praying, and his wife was startled and woke up and, and started praying, God, I don't know what this is about, but I'm praying for my husband. And what had happened is he was standing right at the edge of the cliff, and um, and this voice just said, stop. And he kind of went another step, and the voice said again, stop. And he just got down to his knees, and he thought, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I need to do what I'm supposed to do. And he, he just finally turned around and went back to his wife and and she told him, I had this unbelievable urge to just say, God, take care of my man. So, the God prompts us. We don't want to be, maybe you're thinking that I'm being too subjective here, but, but um, God's word and God's spirit speaks to you and me, if you'll just listen. If you are being filled with the Spirit, if you're, being, if you're born again and being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, he will speak. I love this. This is the way I want to be. I'm not there yet. Psalm 32, 8 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And listen to this. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now I don't know about you, but did y'all have, uh, maybe you've got some uh, a dad or a mom or something that could just look give you that look, right? And you knew exactly what was going on. You better sit down, you better stop or whatever. This is God though. He gives us a look of encouragement a look to say don't or do whatever's good do it whatever's bad don't and he goes on to say but not like a horse or mule without understanding which can be must be curved with bit and bridle I don't want to be a, a horse that's got a bit and bridle God's got to pull me this way and that way. I want to be walking towards him and walking with him and spending time in his word and and just uh, be obedient to the spirit's promptings now say you're not. You know that right away, okay, I, the day I had a prompting and I didn't do it, you, you would say. Well, don't get caught up in this cycle of regret. Go right then and say, Lord, I messed up. Um, as Kevin said this morning, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So he is faithful. We're not very faithful sometimes, but he is. So, but then ask, say, Lord, just fill me with your spirit. I want to walk with you. Now there's one baptism that's when we're born again, that happens at salvation, but many fillings, be continually being filled with the spirit. Archbishop Temple defined worship, and I think prayer can get this feel as a priority in worship. You can get the feel of what he's trying to say here. The submission of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness. It is the nourishment "...of the mind by his truth, the purifying of the imagination by his beauty." Pastor Brian's talked about that a lot, his beauty. "...the purifying of his imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love." Kevin talked about that this morning. "...the surrender of the will to his purpose, and all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfish emotion of which our nature is capable." So can you can I ask you this tenderly? Ask you now: Are you spiritually alive? Are you spiritually filled? Are you spiritually being led by the Spirit? Andrew Murray calls it absolute surrender. He's written a book called "With Christ in the School of Prayer" that I've read a number of times, and every time I read it, I go, "Whoa!" Well I, I didn't like. I didn't read it. It's so good. The second aspect of all prayer, and I'll move these will be a lot faster is being continually at all times in all seasons in all periods of life so the Bible says in First Thessalonians 5 16 and following rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus now you go well how in the world can I pray without ceasing and I would say this would be in a continual state of prayer if you're really Walking with God, if you if you stay in a continual state of prayer, you know I can see a, see us at the Auburn football game or other teams' football games. Sorry, um, screaming and hollering. How do you stay in a state of prayer? I don't know, but do it. Keep yourself in a state of prayer. I know I was a high school quarterback, and we were always taught to to stay cool on the outside, even if you're churning on the inside, and. Some days, especially if when I was preaching every Sunday, I would, if I was at a game, I would just have to go, yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Tozer says, The Bible is not an end to itself, but a means to bring men into an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that we might enter into Him, that they might delight in His presence may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. So scripture and prayer are not an end to themselves. It is a time, it is a way, it is a means to know the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's developing that relationship with the very God of heaven who reveals himself through us through prayer, through his word. He invites us into this personal relationship. So... If you think this is intimidating, if you thought of prayer as intimidating, you're not alone. Um, I doubt there's a man or woman, boy or girl, who can say, I'm pleased with my prayer life. I got this. Some may say, I'm pleased that I'm growing in my prayer life, but I have a long way to go. Even the disciples spending day by day by day, moment by moment by moment with Jesus, what did they say? Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Think about it as though you're entering to a presence with someone, capital S, who wants to have a special relationship with you, who you can talk to, who you can tell your troubles, who you can be honest with, who will rejoice with you when you rejoice, who weeps with you when you weep, who will put his arms around you and encourage you when you're, you need encouragement. This someone already knows you intimately he knows exactly what is best for you, and he wants your best. He, lo- this verse is, just, is amazing to me. who did not spare his only son, will he not give you good gifts? The one who died for you, who shed his blood for you, who loves you, will he not give you good gifts? So he's given you good gifts, and we're grateful to him as we follow him and spend time with him. It do- doesn't mean you can't go, Lord, I don't understand this. Teach me. Show me. My heavenly father speaks to me through his word and I speak to my father through prayer. Still in verse 18, we see the third aspect of all prayer in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. It says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So there's no reason to get in a rut when we pray. Why? This is the father, son, the Holy Spirit that spoke the worlds into existence, that the Spirit of God hovered over the world when he created it, who made amazing things, and Jesus holds this world together, even though it's broken, it's still some beauty in it. Do you not think he is creative enough to work through your heart, to speak through your heart, to teach you to come up with ways to pray, to get in his presence, and just spend time alone with him? Some of the ways, just to... Teach us to pray. Is the acts? Most of you know this. Consider the acrostic acts: A C T S—adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That works for me because I tend to want to start praying for things or for people or whatever. And then when I, but when I start praying in adoration to God, and I have to use Psalms sometimes because I can't think of some of the words I want to say uh, that. I see that God is so great, and my worries and struggles and frets are so nothing that I they kind of go away; they just dissipate. Or praying through the Old Testament tabernacle, you end up at the mercy seat where the blood was placed, and you enter into the very holy of holies. Or what about a model prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will, your will. Or praying through the Beatitudes. Um, Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We come poor in spirit, destitute, holding our hands open before God. Lord, I don't know how to pray. Teach me to pray. Many times I'll pray seeking to mourn over my own sin and the sin of others. so many times I see people that, things that happen in people's life or that I don't like and I, I, like, I, I let the, the, them be a mirror to my own heart and, and I weep for them that they're controlled by things or whatever and, and then I weep over my own heart because there must be something in me that's like that. And when I mourn and weep, the spiritual tears, then I have what happens is they, God spiritually cleanses my eyes that I might be pure in heart that I might really see my own self and see others too. And then I can really pray for them and to love them and care for them. Or the prayers of Paul in Ephesians and other epistles. I do not cease to give thanks for you or read through a prayer book or pray some of the author's suggestions and pray through some of the author's suggestions or pray through Psalms like we do on Wednesday night. Personalize them. I found a Psalm, Psalm 6, that I'm praying for a prodigal. And the Lord just brought tears to my eyes, just just worked on my heart and just messed me up in a good way. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, are all involved. We are union with Christ. And so He allows us to kind of sense the the hurts and the worries and the frets of other people that we might pray for them and pray um, to our Lord. It says, But you, beloved, in Jude 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, if we start with praise, we're admonished to do that a lot of times and you see that in the Psalms and in other places even in the the Lord's model prayer. Some people would have a hard time thinking about God. Why do you need praise? Why why do you need praise? We would think it's very selfish of God. We would think it's very selfish. If we saw our, well, had a president that we wanted to praise, or a prime minister that we that always begged for praise, or a, a king that was always begging for praise, and this is where C.S. Lewis, to me, is very helpful. In the process, he says, in the process of praising God, God communicates His presence to us. You catch that? In the process of praising God, God communicates His presence. To us, Psalm 22, 3 says, The Lord abides in the presence. The Lord abides in the praise of his people. So when I begin to understand how great God is, so many of these other things dissipate, like morning dew when the sun rises. Or praying the tabernacle. You go through the bronze altar. The Lamb was sacrificed. The blood of Christ being cleansed with a bronze laver the water of God's word, or continuing to the very holy place with the showbread and the candlelight representing Christ, Christ the bread of life and the light of the world, and then going to the very presence of God in the holy holies where the, the blood of the Lamb of God was placed on the mercy seat, and then we can adore and praise the one who shed his blood so I can have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. Alan Redpath, a well-known British evangelist, author, and pastor, somebody, a skeptic, came up to him one day and said, How do you know? How do you believe? Why do you believe in heaven? And Alan Redpath responded, Because I've been there today. <laughs> Obviously, while we're here on this earth, we'll, this will be just a taste of heaven, not the full sense, but it's a taste of of heaven's due, D-E-W, the already but not yet. Show me your glory, Lord. Sometimes we just need to hide away in a quiet place and say, oh God, and just be quiet and listen to that still small voice. The fourth aspect of the life of all prayer is in the spirit is perseverance. Perseverance. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. When I was an associate pastor in Minnesota for a a little while, there was three of us, and there was one that did all the counseling, pretty much all the counseling, and he was fantastic. And Chuck Reichert was his name, and, and he was right below me. We were in a house, and it was just a, the church was a small building, and the house was our office areas, and I was right above him. Well, one day, I just heard this, bam, 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 all over the place. I'm going, and then so he finished his counseling, and after it was over with, I went back and said, Chuck, what in the world was that? He so, said, well, there was a husband and wife here, and I was counseling them. She was wanting to divorce, and, and I, told, I just gave the Word of God to her, and she got so mad she took her chair and threw it over my desk. <laughs> and I was saying, we agreed right there that we're going to pray with our eyes open from now on. <laughs> so praying with your eyes open, your spiritual eyes open, is a physical illustration of a spiritual reality stay alert, stay alert, golly, I know I've missed opportunities, I know there's been plenty of times that I've said um, yes to the bad and no to the good, or even just missed it, because I wasn't in a continual state of prayer, just walking with God, or I did it for my own glory. Now, our minds are windows to our own heart, and so we have to be very careful that we have to guard our minds and our thought life and, and what we watch and what we do. And, and um, I know you have to go to work, and I know you have to hear garbage sometimes in, in your jobs. And I was in sales, and I, I went and traveled a long time or different places through Minnesota, Iowa, North South Dakota, and I hear these guys just doing some really, say, cruddy things, and you just have to gut it out and say, God, help me filter those things out. And, but in for your own thought life... I like this verse on um, Philippians 4 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, what is right, whatever is pure, what is lovely, of good repute, let your mind think on these things. And if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So stay pure, stay alert, keep your eyes open, never give up praying for you, for your prodigal. George Mueller prayed for years for two men. For many years, decades. One of them came to Christ before he died. The other one came to Christ after he died. The fifth and final aspect of life of all prayer is intercessory prayer. Making supplication for all the saints and also for me. And let me just say this. This is something that you could preach a sermon series on. There's the depths and the riches of the heart of God here that I don't understand, that I it's a mystery that's so deep. I mean, you think about it, go back and look at Moses. What did he want to do? He, intercede, he wanted to intercede for Israel. Lord, take my life. Paul, Lord, if Israel won't repent, take my life instead. Jesus interceded for us. He did take our sin, yeah. put it on us, and died in our place. Yeah. There's, so there's something deeper than any of us probably here know, and we could all learn more if we do know. Reese Howell's Intercessor, I read the book. Betty doesn't like for me to read that book because I get kind of weird after I read it. But, but um, <laughs> he was one of these prayer warriors that just, he, he wrote it out, what he did. And one of them was Dunkirk the story you know when hitler came in and was destroying the british were the british and the french soldiers 300 over right around 400,000 were there and then some 70,000 or so were south of there but 338,000 soldiers were prayed out of there it was a miracle at dunkirk and he's got a in his and you can look it up and you can Google it and, and just tells you how they prayed day after day and day after day. And there were these ships, these personal ships, small, bigger, yachts, whatever it was, went over there and took 338,000 British and French soldiers out of the country to save them from being killed and destroyed or pushed into the sea. And or otherwise... Very possibly you and I might be speaking German and not be free like this at all. Listen and obey the prompting of the Spirit. You'll never know until heaven, until maybe the Lord will show us, you know, hey, you remember that time I prompted you to pray? This is what happened. Pray. Likewise, Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, Obey the promptings of the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wayne Grudem says the word groanings here does not indicate that the Holy Spirit prays instead of us, but the Holy Spirit takes part with us and makes our weak prayers effective. Such sighing and groaning in prayer is best understood to be sighs or groans which we utter, expressing the desires of our heart and spirit, which the Holy Spirit then makes into effective prayer. So time, sometimes as we pray, even I, it's like listening in to God. Uh, I like to, if you're married, I, I, Pray with your wife, pray with your husband, listening in to their prayers because even God can work through them to help you understand the depths of what is going on in their soul. Here's an important question. It's a hard one for me too. If all your prayers from the last month were answered, would God's kingdom be furthered for his glory? Or would the answers just be personal? And possibly selfish. If all your prayers from the last month were answered. Would God's kingdom be furthered for his glory? Or would the answers just be personal and possibly selfish? Only you can answer that. But you can change it. Praying in the spirit for his glory. If you want to grow, read Christian biographies. If you want to grow in this area from praying men and women, just to name a few, is Amy Carmichael, George Mueller, Reese Howells, Andrew Murray. In John Piper's book, Desiring God, he writes, and this is kind of a long quote, but it's worth it, so bear with me here. He says, unless I'm badly mistaken, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant prayer life is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't Plan to. If you want to take a four week vacation, you don't get up one summer morning and say, Hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day, realize that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life, but nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. No time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. Therefore, my simple exhortation is this. Let us take time this very day to rethink our priorities and how prayer fits in. Make some new resolve. Piper says, try some new venture with God. Set a time. Set a place. Choose a portion of Scripture to guide you. Don't be tyrannized by the press of busy days. We all need mid-course corrections. Make this day of turning to prayer for the glory of God and for the fullness of your joy. Make this day of turning to prayer for the glory of God and for the fullness of Of your joy. One of the things that um, Brother Al did is uh, once a quarter we could just take four hours and go off and just spend time in prayer. And we got sheets and showed us some, gave us some ideas and things like that. And it was so refreshing to me and so helpful. Now, this is a side note, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Praying in the Spirit may mean praying until the tears come. Praying until the tears come. Psalm after psalm. O Lord, give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. I am weary of my groaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But it also says that the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Isaiah prophesied, "He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces." Revelation, future fulfillment, it says, "For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." May our tears water the word of God. As we wrestle against the sinning of our own hearts, as we cry out for loved ones, for all the saints, for our pastor, Paul asked to be prayed for. We should be praying for our pastor. It's a heavy burden, very heavy burden. Pray for his family. Pray for our culture, grieving over our culture. Not lashing out, grieve over it. Pray over it. It's the mercy of God that brings repentance. We take the word in our minds and we soak it in our hearts through prayer. Be honest with God. Talk to him plainly. Don't neglect him. He delights in our prayers. He loves us and he gave us his son to bring us into a right relationship with him. I, this is a, James five sixteen says, this somehow mysteriously tells us that he works through our prayers. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you are an amazing God and you love us and you want to have a relationship with us. And that relationship starts with prayer and your word. So, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As you think about this, obviously, this is not necessarily a, a sermon for those that are, don't know the Lord, except if you want a relationship with Him, you have to be born again. Somebody said one time to the pastor, How come you always say you must be born again? Okay, he says, Because you must be born again. <laughs> But there's more to it than just that. That's a starting point. And God wants to have a relationship with us. And so maybe there's some here that are sitting or standing. Well, we we'll stand in just a minute and you'll be praying. And Lord, teach me to pray. Just teach me to pray. Let the Spirit of God speak to you through His Word. And let him speak to you through your heart to be more of a prayer warrior. Uh, this church is fantastic. You've been a major, major blessing to me. And I can't imagine it getting a whole lot better, but knowing God, it can <laughs> teach us to pray. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time, or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org slash contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.